Welcome to the podcast of St. Basil the Great Catholic Church in Brecksville, Ohio, with homilies, talks, and interviews relevant to your Catholic faith. God bless you and enjoy. So it's good anytime we hear the gospel. Um, yeah, the gospel is alive. So it's, it's the word of God. It's always the word of a, of a human being. So it's the Holy Gospel according to Luke. But it's also God's word. It's inspired. The Holy Spirit dwells in it, which means it's, it's alive and effective and it's doing stuff. Which means it also, as it comes close, it interacts with what's inside of us. Okay? So the gospel, sometimes certain gospels make you feel a certain way, right? Some of them, you hear them and you're just like, yes, like, thank you. That was lovely. Today's, uh, maybe not so much, yeah? But it, it's really important, I think, just to notice, like, what does this gospel feel like to you? Like, what's the response of your heart? Because if I'm honest, yeah, my heart's a little scared. Something there's kind of scary. Uh, it's kind of unsettling. It raises questions. I think it feels a little harsh. Like, Jesus, are you, are you trying to be mean? Or, like, what are you doing? And that's okay, because... Uh, Jesus wants his gospel to come and touch certain parts of my heart. Um, yeah, so he can show me what the truth is and bring me into the truth with him. And, but it's okay, and, and not just okay, to really recognize like what, how our hearts respond to these things, especially, I would argue, if the response of your heart feels kind of negative. Because what, what do we usually do? What do I usually do? Maybe you're not like me. Um, when I hear something, and inside I'm like, Ugh, I don't like that, usually I think, oh, I'm bad. There's something wrong with me. Because this is the gospel. The gospel's good. If I don't like it, I must be bad. Right? And so then I just try to shut that down and ignore it and just like, ugh, just like muscle through the thing. But I think Jesus wants to just notice the part of my heart that's like, I don't like, I don't like this. This is scary. Um, yeah, but there's also a truth of this gospel is, is part of a greater story. And I do know parts of the story. And I, I know Jesus in some ways. And I know his father in some ways, and so the part of me that's really scared, like, I don't think it knows the whole story yet. So what is Jesus talking about? What, what, what's going on here? Um, it's just kind of a strange moment. So Jesus is walking, and there's a bunch of people with him, just crowds. In the scriptures, there's different groups of people. The people that are closest to him are called the apostles. Those who have left things and kind of changed their lives to follow him, they're called disciples. That's a little bit bigger of a group. And then there's crowds. Um, the crowds are fine. They're not bad, but they're also not great. The crowds are just people that are interested in Jesus. So he's intriguing to them. They see the miracles and they want to come watch him. Um, so when we kind of want to identify our place in the story, our place is as disciples. That's where we want to be. We're not apostles. Um, that's kind of a specific role, a specific office. But you don't want to just be the crowd because the crowd are kind of finicky. And when Jesus is doing great things, the crowd loves him. And when he says certain things, the crowd's like, you know what? That's enough. That's enough, Jesus, for me. I'm going to go. Okay? So we don't want to be there. We want want to be disciples. Jesus, though, seems to have a very strange kind of recruiting strategy. Because what's going on? He's got all the crowds. Some of them are disciples. He's got a lot of potential disciples. And he's like, all right, I'm going to sell this whole discipleship thing to them now. We'll see who wants to do it. And he turns So imagine Jesus is traveling. It says he turns around, so he's looking at everybody that's walking with him. And he says, if anybody comes to me without hating his father and mother, his wife, children, brothers and sisters, and even his own lives, he cannot be my disciple. 
okay, right? It's just kind of upsetting. And then they're like, maybe he's going to say more, and it'll make more sense. And then the next thing he says is, would have been like just terrible. It would have been horrifying for them. We hear it in a Christian lens, but they just hear it in, in the context of what it was. And so Jesus basically says, like, if you don't go and carry the, the instrument of your execution, right, your cross, we hear cross and we're like, yeah, that's the way we kind of love people and stuff. Where they would have heard it like electric chair. Like, those of you who do not get in your electric chair and let it do its thing, you cannot be my disciple. So again, it's just like, gosh, Jesus, what are you, what are you doing? Um, yeah, so Jesus is saying something here, and it's really important. First off, when, he, when Jesus says hate, the word hate, the word was used in a different context, in a different way. So it doesn't necessarily mean like you have to hate your parents, which because it can't mean that, right? Jesus uh, talking about the Ten Commandments says, I didn't come to abolish any of the law. And the law says you have to what? You have to honor your father and mother. You know this, right? So there's no way Jesus is saying, no, 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 no more Ten Commandments. Now you've got to hate everybody. So that's not what he's saying. Um, but he is saying, yeah, things need to be properly ordered and certain things have to be in the first place and other things can't take that place or it's, or it's dangerous for you. So Jesus essentially is saying, if you're going to be my disciple, I have to be the most important thing in the world to you. That's the only way that this will work. And then you have to come and live your life with me. And Jesus, he's walking towards a specific place. He's not just wandering around. He's headed towards Jerusalem, which also means he's headed towards the cross, which means he's going to die. So Jesus is saying, if you want to follow me, I'm going one place, and you can come with me. And I'd really love it if you did. Uh, But that's where we're going. And so if you don't want to do that, you you don't have to. But, But you also can't be my disciple. Now, something tremendous is going to happen at the cross, and the cross is going to be transformed from a place of torture and fear and pain into an image of just unimaginable love. Which becomes an important idea, that Jesus wants to interact with every part of your life, even the most horrific and horrible parts. And in doing so, he has the power and the desire to transform it into something beautiful. Do you believe that? I don't, a lot of times. I'm starting to, I think. But do you actually believe that Jesus Christ, risen from the dead, if you haven't heard Jesus is risen from the dead, congratulations. Jesus Christ, risen from the dead, seated at the right hand of his power, is totally focused on you. And he has the power and the desire to transform every part of your life into love. To love you in every part of your life. But also with you to turn it into a gift of love, to make it something beautiful. The cross is now tremendously beautiful. It's the most beautiful thing. Because it's been transformed by love. Jesus is God. Amen? Okay, haven't heard the news in Brexville. Um, Sorry, at my church we say amen. We're a bunch of hillbillies, it's great. I'm from Nebraska, I live out in the hills. Father Ryan loves this one statistic about my parish. He tells everybody he meets when I'm here. From my parish, to get to a stoplight, you have to drive 50 miles. Yeah. So it's different. It's different. Yeah. It's not like we're just crashing, too. Like, we're just, there's just not that many. It's just fine. There's not that many people. You can kind of go where you want. Anyway, so uh, we say amen sometimes. You can do it if you want. You don't have to. So Jesus is God, and God is love. It's just what God is. And you're made for love, and you know that. Your heart knows that. And so Jesus is saying in some way, I, God, 
who am love itself, have to become the center and the focus of your entire life, and everything else has to orient it around that relationship. I have to be in the middle, I have to be in the center, I have to be the most important thing, but it's all for your good. I'm not trying to take anything away from you. And there's something tremendous that happens when love becomes the center of your life. And the unexpected thing is, even though he's saying, if you don't hate your father and mother, children, brothers and sisters to come after me, when you do do that, meaning you put all those things second, they take a secondary place and you allow Jesus to take control of your life, to guide you, to lead you, it's better for everybody else. Like the best thing you can do for your mom is to allow Jesus to possess you in love and become the center of your life. The best thing that you can do for your dad is to allow Jesus to take hold of you and transform you and unite his life to you. The best thing you can do for your kids, right, is not just sacrifice for them all the time and then never have a spiritual life and never go to church. No, it's, it's to allow Jesus Christ to become the most important thing in your life and that will benefit them. We see that in a cool way. You might be asking yourself, does he preach for a long time? Answer is yes. Um, <laughs> You see this in a very cool way in the second reading. Second reading uh, is from the book of Philemon. It's only one chapter long. It's a fascinating story. You don't hear all the story. We just get chunks of it. St. Paul's in jail. He's an old man. He's writing a letter to Philemon about Onesimus. Okay, weird names. I realize that. You got Paul. You know Paul. Writing a letter to Philemon about Onesimus. Onesimus was Philemon's slave, and he has run away. And now he's with Paul. So Paul's writing a letter. He's sending it back with Onesimus' slave to give back to his old slave master. But what's going on? In some ways, Paul is describing what life is like now that Jesus Christ is the center of everything. And um, gosh, just the way that Paul talks is, is tremendously beautiful. Paul's a really important person in the church. And Onesimus would have been a nobody. He's a slave. But what does he describe him as? First off, he describes him as his child. Paul says, he's my child now. And I'm urging you on behalf of my child Onesimus, whose father I have become. So he's proud that he's his dad now. And he said, says, I'm sending him back to you, he who is my own heart. Isn't that beautiful? Like Paul is just totally in love with this guy. He loves being his dad And he's just so full of love with this guy, Onesimus. And why? Because Jesus Christ is the most important thing in his life. And now, just this person becomes his own heart. Like he's just overflowing with love for him. And he's sending him back. He's saying, gosh, I would have loved for him to just stay here, to be with me, to work, to serve the gospel with me. But I don't want to take anything from you. And so I'm sending him back, but... I don't want you to receive him back as a slave anymore because he's too good. He's too beautiful. Like, I want you to receive him as you would receive me, as Paul, just as a brother. Like, wouldn't that be a gift? If he wasn't your slave anymore, he was just a brother. It's a beautiful way in which once Jesus takes the center role, like you get new brothers and you get new sisters and you get new fathers and you get new mothers and you get new children and And even the relationships you had before, they are enriched and blessed. Like once love takes its rightful place, everything flourishes. Like growth and fruit, it just comes, it just happens. Jesus is not trying to steal you away from all the things you love and then make you lonely with him and say, I had to die on the cross, so you got to die on the cross too. That's not what he's doing. 
No, he wants to transform your life to become really a, a home for love, where love can dwell. But again, that can only happen if we give him everything. But again, what happens is just love. So Jesus gives these two examples. If you're going to start and build a tower, you're just going to want to sit down first and just make sure, like, do I have this planned out? Do I have everything I need? Like, is what I'm about to give sufficient for the task? He says, if you're a king marching into battle, would you not first sit down? So Jesus is saying to each of us, to the crowd, but also to you and me, hey, let's just pause for a second. Let's just sift down for a second and ask the question. Like, are you ready? Do you desire to just give me everything? You don't have to. But that's the only thing that will fulfill your heart. It's the only thing that will make you truly alive. Deep down, it's the thing you most desire, you most want, even though it's scary. But Jesus is just so good and so beautiful that he has to be everything. Not for his sake, but for ours. So let's just sit down for a second and ask the question, okay, like, am I all in? Is, is, am I all in, Father Scott? No. Yeah, I want to be, though. And I think he's okay with that. There's days I feel like I'm pretty all in. There's days I feel like I'm not at all, but, but I want to be. So I think he's asking that question, like, hey, do you want to be all in? And two last things that are really good news. First off, Jesus towards you is all in. Like, that's the story of the gospel, is the story of a son who leaves his father and he leaves his homeland, and then he leaves his mom, Mary. He leaves it all because he's just all in for you. Like, he just totally wants to give himself completely to you. Every other relationship, in some ways, at least for a moment, takes a step back because you're the most important thing in the world to him. So Jesus is all in. The other good news is that Jesus wants all of you. He's not trying to be cruel. No, he is stirred with an immense love that says, I just want all of you for my own. I choose you for myself because you're so beautiful and you're so good. I just can't live without you. Like, I want everything. I want to give you everything and I want all of you. Every part, every memory, everything about you, every trait, the stuff you hate, the stuff you love. Like, I just, I want all of it. I just want it all. So will you please come and be my disciple? I'm going to give you a moment to pray. We'll just pray in silence. And I could just imagine Jesus with you. Maybe he's just looking at you, but maybe he's also talking to you. But you just have the sense of like, oh, wow, he really like sees me. And he sees all of me all of my life and all the parts. He just wants it all. Just really encourage you to, t- to talk to him there. Maybe that's really scary. Maybe that's exciting. Maybe it feels really like too good to be true. But just what's your, what's your heart doing? What's on your heart? As you notice that Jesus really sees you and he just wants all of you. All of you for himself. We hope you enjoyed this audio from our parish. You can find other homilies, talks, and interviews at our website, basilthegreat.org, or by subscribing to this podcast in your favorite app. Just search for 
St. Basil Catholic Church, Brexville. St. Basil the Great, pray for us. <laughs>